0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory reboot that is uh, brought to you by SV Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Rachel Prevet, and I am joined by my awesome, fantastic QB expert co-host, Mark Schofield. So first off, Mark, I know you're on vacation. Hopefully you're able to, you know, enjoy yourself and relax a little bit. But how are you doing? Have you been getting to relax?
2: Um... Vacationing with kids, it's just like going to be annoyed and frustrated in a different place. It's not always a relaxing event, uh, but I do have a lovely painting of a water scene behind me, which is which is fantastic. I tried to set it up so I'd have like the ocean and stuff behind me, but it made me look like a ghoul. The lighting was just awful. Hey. And look, I'm not working with a lot here anyway, so when I make it look worse like that, nobody wants to see that. But I'm good. We have football to talk about, Rachel, which is Ooh. awesome. How how are you? Do how are you
1: doing? I'm good. I'm feeling refreshed, you know good. that we have something to talk about this week. So we hopefully, you know, we can learn, the listeners can learn, and we can, you know, just dive right into it. So we can't, but
2: we, we gotta start. I gotta I got a movie quote No, up for today, Go which i very excited about. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go with Major League, that, that okay. baseball movie, um, sort of, a, you know, a, a bit of a, a sports classic. And there, there's a scene when the Indians start sort of winning some games. And Lou Brown, the manager, turns to his bench coach and he says, starting to come together, Pepper, starting to come together. And that's kind of, Rachelle. How I felt watching Jalen Hurts. I'm just gonna say that, so that that's
1: my quote for today. Do you get something teed up for us? I like that, I like that one a lot. I do have something to you today, and I chose song lyrics, of course. Um, I chose lyrics from J. Cole's um song Punching the Clock, and uh, he uses a sound bite from Damian Lillard's uh post game interview from the bubble, oh, right? Yeah, so I chose something from that, and it says. In the summer, I think when you truly prepare yourself and with training and conditioning and things like that, when you treat when you cheat yourself, you fall in those moments, you know, you crash. And when you really put the time in and whether people see it or whether people know it or not, you know, it always comes to light. I chose these specific lyrics because of Quez Watkins. Oh, yeah. You know, he was a, you know, standout in the preseason game last Thursday against the Steelers. We all know that he had the really nice uh, short screen pass from Joe Flacco, ran the 79-yard touchdown, and he was the shining star of the night. But during the press conference, both Jalen Hurts and Quez Watkins touched on the fact that this is nothing new. Like, right. Quez Watkins has been, you know, grinding all off season. He's been putting in the work during training camp and his hard work, his him being able to punch the clock is literally just being able to come to light. And um, I think that that fit very nicely with what the song is saying.
2: That's a perfect, that's a perfect selection. I love it. And actually let me, let me start there with asking you this was Quez like your sort of highlight from Thursday night, all the stuff we talk about with hearts and all that stuff was, was Quez it?
1: Quez was the highlight. I think that was a very explosive play. So seeing, and it came from Joe Flacco, so that was kind of cool too. But I thought that that was my highlight of the night. Like he put them wheels on, he was moving. That was it. That was the best play of my night.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's absolutely right. I I think what's really sort of impressive about that play is the ability to create an explosive play in the passing game with a throw that barely gets to the line of scrimmage. Like when you have that ability as an offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, that's a a dangerous thing to have if you're a defense. That's an incredible thing to have if you're an offense. And the way that Watkins just erased angles. And and when you watch that run, the way he sort of like sizes up that first defender that's got a shot at him and just sets him up with his eyes before continuing to the outside. Just an incredible play. Yeah, I mean, I was so blown away by that.
1: Me too. I haven't been hearing too much credit being give, given to um, Dick Rod. He had like yeah. a nice block um, and it was someone else who was in on that play as well. But I want to shout out them as well, because, I mean, it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for them blocking. Like,
2: Yeah, I mean, the left tackle, Toth, I'm watching the play right now. He actually does a really good job too. get into the outside. And, and that's one of the things that you need. On these short throws, if you're going to have these design screens, you've got to get people out in front to sort of pave the road, be the convoy, all that stuff. So, Toph, you know, D Rod, you know, they needed that for that play. Certainly, Watkins and his speed, mm-hmm. you know, certainly helps set the table for that. But yeah, getting guys to sort of pave the road was huge.
1: For sure, for sure. And we're going to get into some exciting. Football talk this week, you know, we're going to recap a little bit of last week's game. but We're also going to compare some cover one man versus cover two man, something that you sent me to look at. So that's going to be exciting. And we're also going to preview this week's uh, week two preseason game against the Patriots. So, I mean, I think we should maybe, you know, jump right into the cover one uh, man versus cover two man. So.
2: Yeah, and I, I said to you these two plays we talked about a little bit because it's kind of, you know, we've spent so much time these first two shows talking about Jalen Hurts and that decision-making, right, the time and getting the ball out. That's what we wanted to see. And, of course, the play that sort of got everybody excited from Hurts and his limited action last Thursday night was that deep completion, the deep out route to Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. And when I watched that play, I thought there has to have been an example of this from last year. So we're talking about the play from Thursday night. What's interesting about it is they send Goddard in motion before the snap from left to right. And you see a defender trail them. So if you're a quarterback, Rachel, you know that's man coverage, right? You you see the guy go in motion. You see a defender follow him. So Hertz knows before the snap that it's man coverage. But you've got to still make the read, make the throw, get it out on time and rhythm. So this is sort of a flood or a sale concept. Outside receiver goes deep. Goddard runs that deep out and then you get the running back relations of the flat so it's sort of a three-level read right you've got the deep route the intermediate out route the deep vertical the intermediate out route which is your middle read and then the running back in the flat well what stands out about this play for me Rachel is this Hertz is so precise on timing and rhythm with this throw because he takes the shotgun snap hits his depth Final step of his drop and the ball is already coming out. He's making the decision to throw when Goddard has yet to even get close to make his break, right? Yes. Like Goddard is still, so Hertz is like in the pocket. Goddard is at like the 40 yard line when Hertz starts his throw in motion. Goddard then takes two more steps and cuts his break at like the 45. So he goes five more yards downfield after Hertz has already made the decision to throw this football. That, to me, is like absolute pristine time. It's all the stuff that you and I have talked about these past two shows, getting the ball out on time and rhythm and all that stuff. And it's also a good example you can see in this play, and we could tweet them out for the gentle listeners so they can get an idea of what we're talking about. The ball is already halfway to Goddard when he turns around. It's like that thing we talked about last week, where if the receiver sees you throw it, mm-hmm. it's too late. Exactly. And so I saw that play. And I'm like, there has to have been an example of this from a couple of years ago. And there certainly was from last year, week 16 against Dallas. Mm-hmm. We'll send this play out as well. It's two man. So you get the pre-snap movement, it's the same, but now you've got two high safeties. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's the one man is you've got one deep safety in the middle of the field, and everybody else playing man coverage. Cover two man. Two deep safeties, everybody else playing man coverage. But it's the same route concept, the vertical, the out, and the flat. And in this play last year, week 16 against Dallas, you get the motion. He knows it's man. He sees the two high safeties, and he still throws the same route, that deep out route, and he completes it for a big game. But if you watch that play, he waits. Yes. He waits to see. You saw it. You saw it, you, you pointed it out to me. You're like, he waits. He waits to see the break. He waits to see him come open. He waits to see all of that. And that's the difference that Rachel and I have been talking about. That's the stuff that we wanted to see. Forget the production, forget the stats, whatever. That little difference right there is going to be the difference between Hurts being good and Hurts being great. Because when you make that throw, boss already halfway there before the receiver turns around. That's anticipation. That's rhythm. That's timing. That's all that stuff. When he has to wait to see it, it's only completed last year because the guy's wide open. Yeah. But he has to wait to see if he's not trusting himself to this. So this is what you and I were talking about. And so when I saw that play Thursday night, I'm like, here we go. Yeah. We don't, and I, I sent them to you. like, this is our show. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, I was like, these two plays are exactly what I wanted to see from Hurts." So there's my quick little spiel.
1: I thought, it, and I was like, one thing that I did um, kind of notice, this was last season's game against the Cowboys. I was like, the ability to be able to um, read the defense, of course, against the Steelers um, this season, this preseason game, uh, you could tell that his adjustments were a little bit quicker and yeah. like you said, they were more decisive. Yeah. Like he saw the defender on the end come in. It looked like he was going to blitz. He did blitz from the Steelers preseason game and yeah. immediately um, you see Jalen Hurts make those uh, adjustments. He tells the, I think it was the tight end to shift yeah. up and then you see uh, the running back shift over. So I was yeah. like, you can tell like he was paying attention. He was aware of what was going on. And he was a lot quicker like with the release, like you just mentioned, compared to when you watch uh, the play with the cowboy against the Cowboys last season. But one thing I did see with the Cowboys is it low-key looked like the deep defenders were disguised in a cover three at first, in my opinion, when I was watching it. Yeah. So you do see, I think that's number 29. I think it's Goodwin. I'm pretty sure that's who yeah. it is. He presses in, but immediately at first, I thought it was a cover three. So, being able to, you know, as Jalen Hurts, decipher like when the defense is trying to disguise themselves as something that they're not, like you can kind of tell, like he's made a lot of uh, progress and a lot of growth from last season to this season. He was a lot slower getting the ball out last season against the Cowboys. So, I was looking at the timing as well with his quick release.
2: Yeah, and, and that's what's what's going to be so critical for him as he sort of goes forward. Because you're right, in the sort of Cowboys example, they really sort of disguise a pre-stab because they've got – three defenders sort of lurking deep yes. but then that middle guy and it, it's it, it tough for Hertz to sort of tell okay is it going to be the, th- the cover three three deep are they going to spit it to sort of a, a cover two like they end up doing here are they going to spit it to a two-man or a Tampa two Tampa two is where you have that sort of middle of the field defender kind of cover that in sort of intermediate zone area between the safeties so it's a It was a bit of an easier read for Hertz on Thursday night, obviously, you know, preseason vanilla type defenses, you know, but at the same time, you had that motion, you had that sort of motion and you see against the Cowboys, the defender trail that so Hertz should have known that, okay, whatever it is, whether it's two man, whether it's, you know, they spin to something else, it's gonna be some sort of man coverage. And he didn't quite sort of use that information. A lot of people have said, you know, you could do increase that motion as an offense for two things. You could do it for sort of impact, right? You set a guy in motion, somebody's trying to chase him or something, you throw to him in the flat. Like if you think that divisional round game last year between, you know, the Rams and the and the Packers, and you had that touchdown in the red zone to Devontae Adams, when – Jalen Ramsey was trying to sort of chase him across the formation. That sort of motion for impact. You're trying to make it tougher on an individual player. But then there's motion for information like this, where you send a guy in motion. He's telling the quarterback, like, okay, it's man coverage or it's zone coverage or whatever. Hurts had that information available to him. He just didn't take advantage of it last year. He took advantage of it on Thursday night.
1: And that's part of it, I feel like, is being able to, as the quarterback, being the leader, be in command and be like, Kind of a little bit more assertive, like you can kind of tell last year against the Cowboys, you know, he was a little bit more, uh, probably a little bit more nervous. So he wasn't really as in command of his offense, but you can tell with the Steelers, he really took his time. Like he read it. He made the first adjustment. He made the second adjustment and he was ready to go. So something that's going to get better and better with repetition. So absolutely, Al- absolutely Took command of his offense. So yeah,
2: I, I think taking command is a perfect way to phrase it. Like you have to be like that leadership role in charge in command, you know, they're going to follow you, whatever you do. And you have to make the quick, right decisions with the information available. He did that on Thursday night. That's what I want to see this Thursday against the Patriots defense, which we might see some different looks for them It night, might not be as vanilla, as static, Phil Belichick, i sort of dial up some different defenses, some different coverages. So we're very curious to see that.
3: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in
0: You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And I did want to touch on something that I also saw as well, which was like the talk of the town with the, what could have been um, completion to Quez Watkins. Do you remember that play from yeah. the first preseason game? And last week you touched on the fact that, Jalen Hurts has to throw the ball in front of the receiver. He did, but it was very much so overthrown to Quez Watkins in this play. And um, it was thrown a little bit too far in the inside. So I wanted yep. to kind of touch on that play a little bit too, because you, you hit on that in our last episode.
2: Yeah. In, in these sort of vertical throws, it's it's so hard. Like you know, you've got the cover one coverage, you've got the man coverage on Quez on the outside, and you're backed up in your own end zone. And this is something I think it's important to remember, sort of giving it that context, right? Because it's not like it's a throw from your, your the 50-yard line or something. He's going to make this throw from his own end zone, and they bring pressure on this. Pittsburgh, yeah. They bring both linebackers. And he knows he's got to get rid of this quickly. And so, you know, he misses on the throw. He absolutely misses on the throw, right? And like you said, it's so right. It's not just overthrow, but he left it inside. Like, it, the leaving it inside is a thing I have more of a problem with. Like, if he were to just simply overthrow this, it's like, okay, fine. Like, uh, it's a tough throw. You've got to get it off quickly. You don't want to get a sack. You don't want to get a sack for a safety. But you can't leave that throw inside. You know, because most corners are going to at least have that guy walled off to the inside and have inside leverage. You want to put this outside over his shoulder. And he kind of missed it to the inside. And so, you know, it, it, it's a shame he missed it. I mean, if Quez went for the screen pass later in the game for the touchdown, but also had like a 96 yard touchdown catch as well. Mm-hmm. Two catches for what? 169 or yeah. something like that. Crazy. Yeah. Like people would have been buying the jerseys, like they would have been sold out by yes. now. So it would have been great if he hit that. Okay. But I think that's also something to remember. He still took the chance, right? Yes. Like and I, I think that's should that should be commended because he had two sort of curl routes to the other side mm-hmm. and he had a sit route from the tight end over the middle that was actually wide open. And so, it, had he just checked it down or made one of the easier throws, maybe that was the, the right decision. And I'm very curious your thoughts on the tight end because the tight end's wide open in the middle of the field. And I'm very curious. I'd love to ask the coaches like Nick Sirianni. Okay, how did you grade this play? Are you happy he took the risky throw because he had the man matchup you want, or would you rather see him just check it down to the tight end?
1: I like the fact that he took the risk because I yeah. feel. We saw him lean on the tight ends a lot. And that's something that's important, especially for you're gonna see that a good amount with a young uh quarterback. So he yeah. we saw him lean on Earth. We saw him uh lean on Goddard. But being able to throw and everybody's talking about his accuracy and is he going to be able to throw the ball? I want to see him make those decisions in preseason so we can see that he's getting those reps. Like we said, we're going to need him to become a little bit more accurate, but I feel like that's going to take more repetition with Quez Watkins. So I would give it, I mean, it wasn't like an A plus. I would give him maybe like a B plus because he tried it and it takes sometimes taking risks, how long are you gonna learn unless you're right. taking those risks in and- yeah, yeah,
2: I'm with you on I think that's a great way to put it. It's kind of like we talked about last week. Like we talked a little bit about the Zach Wilson answer where it's like, this is training camp, this is preseason. I want to see what I can and cannot do. Like yeah. he took that throw. Now he knows, okay, well, if I'm gonna make that throw again, this is where I'm gonna put it. But maybe if I see this, you know, week one, I hit the wide open tight end and we just move the chains and go on. Like, it's okay to be aggressive now and see what you can and can't do. Uh, I think you're exactly right, Rachel.
1: What did you think about Dwayne Haskins' performance?
2: It's funny. There was that throw that he missed and then people were kind of like losing their mind. Alert. I thought Haskins was pretty good. Me I mean, I came away like pretty impressed with what he did, with how he played. And I know we both talked about how this is a good opportunity for him. and We'd like to see him win that backup job. If this was week one, I think he's their backup quarterback. <laughs> and I, I'm completely on board with it. Um, I, I think he showed a good – like we used, you used that phrase, command. I think he showed command of their offense, command of what they wanted to do. Yeah, he missed on a throw, and a lot of people were saying, oh, he's got that guy wide open. Yeah. This is a good little reminder. Emery Hunt, who – I love, he's brilliant. He pointed out that both Mike Tomlin and Dwayne Haskins were telling that receiver that he needed to keep going upfield. If you're ever wondering, like, did somebody screw up? Watch the sideline after a play, because you will often get your answer that way. And with both quarterback and coach said, hey, man, you need to keep that vertical. Haskins, I think, expected that receiver to keep going vertical. That's why he sort of led him upfield. The guy sat down. And that's one of those scramble drill kind of rules and teams have that, right? If you see the quarterback move one way or the other, guys go deep guys that are short go deep, guys that are deep come close, guys that are away, they like try to get in the quarterback's field of vision. And that was a guy that should have kept going deep, and that's what Haskins was expecting. So I was impressed with him, and I we, I think you were too, right?
1: Yes, I, I was very impressed by him. Especially, we already talked about this last week, just based off of him coming from last season. I was impressed. He, I think he did a really good job. I think that he had a, a legit strong throwing arm. Oh yeah, in, in preseason week one. So, um, mind you, one thing that I have to keep in mind is that he was going up against the second and third string Eagles defense. So it's kind of like, um, yeah. But I think he sh- I think he looked good, and I think he will be able to beat out Mason Rudolph for that. I, I
2: think so. I think so, because and the other thing is this, like you know what you've got in Mason Rudolph, right? Like you know what he is. Like you're not getting anything more. This is still very young in Haskins' career. Like mm-hmm. and Washington the experience there was probably the best sort of environment. Mm-hmm. I, I think you take a chance on the guy. I mean, I, I really too. So, yeah, I, mean, and what's frustrating is they've seen got Joshua Dobbs, who I like a lot, who, for the sake of humanity should probably go be the astronaut that he's destined to be and save the world because he's absolutely brilliant. I mean, the, the NASA internship that he had like last off season. I mean, Josh jobs is like, sort of like Ben Solak, right? Like Ben yeah. Solak, we know him, we love him. He's brilliant, yeah. but like, ben, go save the world. Okay. Take off,
1: yeah. Go take off,
2: go fly, go save the world. Let's save it with Josh jobs. Like I, I saw like a Q and a, that Josh jobs did where he's talking about like jet propulsion and all this stuff. and I'm just like, man i'm just like yeah yeah it's like legit like rocket scientist so
1: but i'm happy that haskins is with mike tomlin because like you just mentioned sometimes it takes getting removed from one environment and put into a new environment for you to kind of like see like okay you needed a refresher and i think mike tomlin is a is a great coach someone who can develop him. So I'm gonna... it,
2: Yeah, and stability too, right? Yeah. Like the Steelers, it's been Chuck Dole you know, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin for like 40 years. That's it. Same ownership, three head coaches, it's a stable and patient organization. And that's a good environment for a quarterback that has had a bit of a rocky start to his career. He knows that look you know, Mike Tomlin's going to be there for the next five, ten years, however long he wants. You know, and so there's not a need to sort of like panic to overreact. To it's like he could be stable and comfortable that this guy likes me and he's going to be here for a while, so I can just play quarterback. I don't have to worry about anything else. I, I think that's a great
1: point. There's nothing like when there's like a strong relationship and respect with the quarter, with the whole locker room in the court. right can tell one thing about Mike Mike Tomlin is that his locker room respects him. And they low-key can relate to him like he's super young as well. So I think that that's important.
2: As much as you know, being a Patriots guy, I kind (laughs) of don't like the Steelers. I have a ton of respect for what Mike Tomlin does with that organization. Like like you just pointed out, Rachel, like that locker room, like he owns that locker room. He's not going to have fractures in that locker room or anything else. They know him. They trust him. I I think the world of him is a head coach. And it helps that he's a warrior-married guy, so he's got that for
1: him too. Yeah, I grew up a Baltimore Ravens fan, and my our house is divided. My mom, my brothers, they like, well, my younger brother, they like the Steelers. So, there, of course, there's that rivalry, but one thing I can always say is, like, I respect the coach. Absolutely. So, when you can respect the coach, you look at the team a little bit different, because it's like, you know that he's working them, and you know, like, what he's putting them through, like, for success. Right, so, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But you touched on the Patriots, oh. and we are currently... um in the midst of joint practice with the Patriots as we prepare for week two of the preseason. Uh, so we see that there's some possible quarterback competition with Mac Jones and Cam Newton. So, based off of their week one preseason game against Washington, what did you see? Did you see, what did you think about Mac Jones's performance? He looked
2: good. I mean, I, You know, I I still believe it's interesting, Richelle. Patriots fans are really divided into two distinct camps. There's the pro-Mac camp. There's the pro, you know, Cam Newton camp. Um, The pro-Mac camp, I think, grew a little bit over the weekend because he was was impressive to me. I I still think that Cam is their week one starter. Mm -hmm. I I think that they're going to give him every opportunity to start the season as a starting quarterback. But now I'm wondering how long he keeps that job. Mm-hmm. You know, because because Mac looked like he could run the offense. You know, he was aggressive downfield. You know, we just talked a lot about the miss hurts to Quez. There was a similar play where Mac had a vertical shot play that would have been a touchdown. Receiver basically dropped it in the end zone, but it was an aggressive read, an aggressive throw. He made a number of good decisions, quick decisions with the football. All the things that people thought the Patriots probably liked about him coming out of Alabama. You know, and then you look at Cam, who had, I think, maybe two drives, and most of his throws were near the line of scrimmage. Like it was a very conservative offense. It didn't look dynamic. And New England did two things that made me think, Rachel, this is an actual quarterback competition, and not just it's Cam's job. Mm -hmm. They got him into the game early against some of the Washington starters. Like they wanted to see Mac Jones against like the Chase Youngs of the world and things like that. And then in the start of the second half, they let him run a two-minute drill. They didn't get a chance to do it before halftime, but they wanted to see how he would do in a no-huddle environment, no-huddle scenario, to get some film on him running that knee ran it well. When you're starting to set up evaluation opportunities for your quarterback against starters in a two-minute drill situation, that tells me that you're not just trying to get the kid to learn. That's obviously part of it. But you want to really take a look at him to see if he can run Against top-flight players, if he can run a two-minute drill at the end of the half, if you're playing Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in Week Four, which is coming to town, and that's the other thing that's in the back of my mind, right? Like, Rachelle, I'm going to ask you to do something that's that's terrifying.
1: Okay,
2: I'm going to ask you to be Bill Belichick for a moment. Okay, okay, run the hoodie, cut the sleeves, and all that. You've got a question about quarterback. Okay, you don't know if you want to start Mac Jones or or Mac Jones or Cam Newton and it's week four, and Tom Brady's coming home. Ooh. Ooh. Right, right? See, that's the thing that's at the back of my mind. Do you yeah. want to put – I'm asking you, Coach Belichick, do you want okay. to put Mac Jones, let him make his first NFL start against the return of the prodigal son, Tom Brady?
1: Yeah. Uh, right. um, based off of week one, he showed a lot of promise. He looked up- – he looked good, but I don't I don't know that's a lot of confidence. That's yeah.
2: A lot like like something tells me if you were to take Bill Belichick away from did you see the picture by the way of him doing squats at the gym?
1: No, I
0: didn't. I had heard
2: I have a friend at UCLA and when Belichick was out there like scouting players he was like in the gym doing squats and somebody snapped a picture of him yesterday it must have been a gym in philadelphia or somewhere near what? Eagle training camp and he's doing squats at the gym he's got a visor on it like who squats <laughs> where a visor by the
1: way? Wait, what? right?
2: but this? yeah you can find belichick squatted but
1: you can't question that though. Do, do you okay
2: yeah but do you, would you get Bill Belichick away from the squat rack? And yes. so I, something tells me you, you get him away from the squat, squat rack to the bar. You get him a couple of bears and you say, look, do you want to play Mac Jones against Tom Brady in week four? He's going to tell you no. no. Like, we're going to do everything we can to get past that. Yes. And if we have to start Mac Jones early, it will be week five. Because I don't think you can throw him into that environment.
1: No. he's. Not, I mean, I don't know if he's, he's going to be ready that soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And
2: plus, Gillette <laughs> Stadium is going to be, like, packed, but it's going to be, like, 50-50 Brady Bucks fans. Like, there, there are a lot of New England fans that are, like, now Tampa Bay fans. Yeah. I don't know you throw the kid into that environment.
1: No. And I feel like um I heard a little bit of Jimmy and BLG talking about Cam and how – you know, he's done a lot in the past, but like you just mentioned, they don't know how much longer he's going to be able to last. So it was kind of like, all right, you know, start him, right? See what he can do. But if he's not showing you any progress, then that's when you weed him out, Yeah, you know, replace him with Mac Jones. So maybe give him the chance up front because he might be on his way downhill. Yeah. And then it saddens me in a way
2: because i've loved watching Cam Noon. like since his days at auburn like he, he when he was at auburn he was like must watch like stop what you're doing like this guy's something special like he's different yeah. um and it, it would be great to see him sort of recapture that and he said look he's healthy for the first time since like 2016 like and i'm hopeful that you know they're gonna you know, be patient with him. Like, not expose him to hits, not run him a ton here in the preseason, and then sort of unleash him in week one. And he looks great. He takes the job, and he starts all seventeen games, and we worry about Mac next summer. Um, But I'm just not sure, Rachel. Like, we didn't see a Mac lot good.
1: We didn't see too much of Cam in the week one game, right. so we want to see more of him, and you know what he can do. Um, But I, I don't know based off of what I've just been hearing. I'm not too like confident that he's going to carry out throughout the entire season. He might, he just might get replaced.
2: Yeah, he might. And look, like I said, there's a pro Mac Jones camp in new England that is growing by the day. And I honestly, Boston media is, is a whole nother thing. Yeah, But Boston media seems to be all in on Mac Jones too. Like it does, you do get the sense that it's just a matter of time. Now, whether it's 2022 whether it's week five, whether it's week one, yeah. that remains to be seen. Um, I, I'm st- I, I would still kind of put myself into the pro Mac, I mean, the pro Cam Cam. Um, okay. I, I just look, I, I think he's such a tremendous talented quarterback and all the things you can do with him. Um, but I do think that that window is closing.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I want to try something, and I think we can do this like each week grades. So the yeah. we grade, uh, we'll do the Patriots first. So if you had to grade based off of week one, uh Cam Newton and Mac Jones, what would you grade each of them?
2: I mean, I, I think Cam's almost like an incomplete. Like he, he didn't play that ton. Um, if I would have been forced to put a grade on him, it's like a B minus. Like okay. he, he did the things that he was asked. Mac, I think was a B plus. Okay. Um you know, he he was impressive to me. And again, like you said, look, it was against twos, it was against threes, but they did get him a series against the ones where he looked okay. He looked confident. Um, the the question for me is when things get more complex, like more different rotations. If he sees him this week, blitzes and things like that. So, those are my grades. What about yours?
1: Um, I think that's fair that you said Cam Newton it was incomplete because, like you yeah. said, we didn't we didn't really get to see too much of him. Um, Mac Jones, I'm gonna go with a B. I'm gonna go with a B average. Like yeah. I think he showed a promising start. I think there's definitely a bright future ahead for him. So, um, but continue to get the reps in, continue. And especially like once we actually see him against slum like first string. Yeah. And when the season actually starts, it's still preseason. So I'm going to give him a B average. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, I'll give him a B. I'll give him a B plus, sure. There okay. you go. I like it. With the Eagles, we didn't really touch too much on Nick Mullins, but he didn't look too good.
2: No, oh, no, he didn't. We really
1: to touched on him. <laughs> what would you agree each of them? Each other? I mean,
2: I, I would give her today minus. Um, I, I know he missed that throw, but I like the decisiveness. I know he didn't play a ton. I mean, Flacco's a, a B. I mean, you know, he had the quiz touchdown, but like, look, I. I could have made that throw. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I am was an awful quarterback, as I've said, okay. but I think I could have made that throw. Uh, but look, Joe Flacco is, we're seeing it now in Dallas and other teams. Like, you don't have a backup quarterback. There's concern about Prescott. You need somebody that can step in, run the offense. And the thing about a veteran backup is, you don't need Flacco to have a ton of practice time, right? Like, he, he knows what he has to do. So, I mean, I, I think he's an important piece to have. Mullins? Hmm is f-minus possible i mean like and i i was somebody rachel that like said like a while ago like he was better than garoppolo like i was a member of like the oh, nick Mullins God. trade so a long time listeners to the qb factory know that i am very open and honest about my misses and i wildly missed on nick Mullins. my goodness i
1: that was definitely piss poor i feel yeah. like really- and then we thought at one point I was like, "Oh yeah, there might be a competition between Flacco and Mullins." But now we <laughs> really like, I don't know. So. so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him like a D. Yeah. He didn't do well at all. Um, I think Flacco I'll give him a B plus. I think he did his job. Yep. And Hurts uh, I'll give a B plus as well because I think he did great. But I, of course we want to see better. right um, I think he did good. It didn't give me a reason to be concerned based yeah. his performance.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the big deal, right? I don't think any Eagles fan should be worried right now. Like yeah. you saw Hertz, he did the things we asked about, did the things we talked about. So I, I think everybody can sort of take a breath, relax a little bit. Um, yeah. And then we'll see Thursday night. Hopefully, it's it's more of the same.
1: For sure. But yes, we'll be back next Tuesday. Well, we're recording on Tuesday. You guys will get this on Wednesday. But we'll be back next week with the QB Factory reboot um, for you lovely listeners. Did you have anything that you wanted to say, Mark?
2: Uh, go Eagles. How about go that? All right. So. See, I know Chris used to say Fly Eagles Fly, but I, that feels like I'm, I'm stealing there. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a true Eagles fan. I, I can't say Fly Eagles
1: Fly. Go Eagles. So. Okay. Go Eagles. So, yeah, make sure you guys are subscribing. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you guys keep uh, up with all of the Eagles training camp content and stuff that we're going to be dishing out this week. We're also going to have an instant reaction show on Thursday after the uh, week two preseason game, so make sure you guys are on the lookout for that but that's gonna be a wrap here for QB Factory. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself.